Welcome to the season one finale of The Art of Social Media, a podcast brought to you by Social Pilot. Throughout this season, we've hosted a lineup of exceptional social media superstars who have generously shared their groundbreaking expertise. As we wrap up this remarkable journey, we invite you to join us as we revisit the most memorable moments from our esteemed guests, Mark Schaefer, Jeremy Goldman, Neil Schaffer, Latasha James, and Christophe Trapp. First on our list is Mark Schaefer, Executive Director and Keynote Speaker at Schaefer Marketing Solutions. Mark shared the importance of nurturing an emotional connection and continuum with a community and which future community trends marketers should start leveraging today. One of the very powerful things you talked about is that emotional connection with the brand, uh, emotional connection with the community. You also talk about emotional continuum in your book. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, I think this will help people connect the dots and understand the role of what they're doing now and how it connects to community. So almost every business today has some presence on social media, which is great. It's awesome because, I mean, you and I first connected on social media. Many people who have become, who have like read my blog or have become my friends, we started as a connection on social media. But that's a weak relational link. I have 180,000 followers on Twitter. If I put out a tweet and say, hey, everybody, buy my book, I won't sell very many books. It's like throwing a message in a bottle out into the ocean, hoping somebody picks it up. Now, the power is you and I can connect. You and I might have never had this opportunity before, but now we've got this spark of opportunity. And the strategy, what I think the social media strategy is today, it's not really a strategy. It's the beginning of a process. And the beginning of that process is you create this first initial connection. In sales terminology, maybe you call this the top of the funnel, right? And what you want to do is move those connections to an audience. Can those people, can you become interesting enough that those people will subscribe to your podcast or your blog or your video series or your Instagram account. Now you've got a much stronger emotional connection. If I go to the people on my blog and say, I have a new book out, who's going to buy it? Almost everybody, because they've opted into me. They subscribe to me. They're saying, it's okay for you to talk to me about what you're doing because I like you. I'm interested in you. I believe in you. Now, that's where most companies stop. They've got social media, they got advertising, they've got content marketing, but they don't move. The next step in this process is you move your audience to community. And that's the ultimate marketing. It's the ultimate emotional connection, as we talked about, because now it's not just that people love you, but they also love each other. Now, what happens in my community if I say, I have a new book out? Not only does everybody buy the book, everybody writes a review. Everybody promotes it. There's a one woman who created like this PowerPoint slide of highlights from the book and narrated this video that she posted on LinkedIn. They're buying multiple books. They're giving them to their friends. That's advocacy. 
It's not just an audience. These are people who are so connected to you and believe in you so much. They want you to succeed. They will help you in any way they can. Now, if I had, you know, my community right now is small, a couple hundred people. I've had it for a couple of years. But, you know, as, as time goes by, if I had a thousand people, 10,000 people, I would be able to sell more and more with no marketing, no ads, no SEO, no content marketing, no lead nurturing. I simply tell people in my community, I have something new and, you know, it results in, in sales. So it's the ultimate marketing with no marketing. Next on the list, we have Jeremy Goldman, Senior Director of Marketing, Commerce and Tech Briefings at Insider Intelligence. Jeremy covered the concept of social commerce for B2B brands and the future of social media. Is there a playbook for B2B brands for social commerce? Uh, and I understand it's not, you know, consumer is not going to come on the social media and just buy the product from there. But is, is there like a play or an influencer mechanism for them? You know, I would say it's more so not exactly about social commerce, and but more about developing an effective lead gen strategy through performance marketing. Because in that sense, you know, you you often have an information product, uh, not always, but often, uh, you know, people are trying to get some information, you're trying to qualify leads, there's very little from a B2B perspective, it's rare that you're just gonna, you know, close somebody's sight unseen, right? So I would say it's really much more so about that, doing a lot of ad testing and figuring out what works. And I've actually seen a number of brands that have told me that they've, because you can do everything and because you can test everything, sometimes you can have analysis paralysis where you try to do so many different creatives, so many different things at the same time, that it's impossible to figure out what exactly is like the best approach, right? You know, like they're they're testing uh, audiences at the same time as they're testing creative at the same time as they're testing landing pages that they're connecting to. So I know this isn't quite the answer about the social commerce, but it's really the performance marketing is not to bite off more than you can chew, like we were talking about before, and really trying to test one or two things at a time and then move on, you know, keep on getting some interesting observations and then building it into your social and lead gen strategy, um, you know, which is really the closest thing I'd say that, that a lot of B2B brands get to from a social commerce perspective. Interesting. You talk about performance marketing. Uh, we are in Q1 of 2023. Uh, do you see people spending less on ads because of the economic threats and the, you know, idea of recession, et cetera? Is, are you observing the trend? So yes and no, I would say. I, I think that people are spending differently on ads and it really differs from an industry to industry perspective. Even after this, I'm actually going to write a piece on how uh, automotive insurers have changed the way that they spend recently. But for instance, we were just covering recently a major performance marketing platform raising another 76 million. You know, this is something that is happening more and more where you see there are major MarTech uh, companies that are getting funded, that are you know signing major deals, but there's definitely more people who are focused on the bottom of the funnel. Uh, that can, generally speaking, that can uh, wind up being, I guess you could say like a challenge to them in the long term. It's not necessarily the right move, I'll just say, just because if you have the budget and you can build the brand awareness, then when you come out of this, uh, 
you know, whatever it is, malaise, recession, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter what you call it. Uh, some people are concerned about, uh, you know, which direction the economy is going. And because of that, they're going to spend a little bit differently. But ultimately, we're seeing people are shifting budgets around. Some industries are a little bit more spooked than others. But actually, if most of the people that we're speaking to are pretty confident about the second half of the year. Considering uh, some of the stuff we've gone through recently, I would say that that's, uh, that's pretty you know heartwarming and optimistic and good news. For number three, we have Neil Schaffer, fractional CMO and author of The Age of Influence. Neil discussed influencer marketing as a powerful approach for a new brand to compete effectively on social media and highlighted the numerous opportunities for influencers to monetize their content creation expertise. How do newer brands compete in social media right now? It's a noisy place. Organic is dead. Influencer marketing can take time if they're a new brand. How do we get started as a new brand? Influencers. And the easiest way is give away your product. There's no shortcut to this. And the reason why I'm saying, well, you might need to pay people, it depends on how, how much your product is, right? If you have a $5 product, it's one thing. But if you have a $25, $50, product, and it really fits the needs of people, which it should because you're a new company, that's why you developed a new product, there is no better way than to seed the market, get word of mouth going by gifting product to influencers. That would be the number one strategy. And it doesn't have to take time, right? You can start doing research today, reach out tomorrow, ship it out two days from now. If the influencer really likes the product, maybe a week from now, they'll post about it on social media. That to me is the shortcut. Now, I would also do some paid social because that's the quickest way to get the word out. The problem with paid social is it's a cold audience. That's why I love the idea of leveraging user-generated content for your advertisements. And all the data shows that when you leverage user-generated content for your Instagram ads, for your Facebook ads, that performs way better than a company trying to create the ad themselves. So when you give the product out, say, hey, I'd be honored if you posted about it. If you post about it, would, would you allow me to use that in an advertisement? I'll be sure to tag you or you know let you know when it goes live. You really want to build relationships because the influencers should become your number one marketing channel. And instead of paying Zuckerberg money for Facebook ads, you can actually you know put that money in a product and shipping fees and get it out into the hands of people that can actually help promote it. So without a doubt, that is the number one strategy. And that, you know, I do have some case studies in the age of influence of companies that did just that. They didn't have a marketing budget, but they knew it was a great product. They knew if it got into the hands of the right people that they would become natural salespeople, you know, influencers, and they reap the benefits of doing that. Interesting. So influencer marketing is more innovative and more important as the day goes by. New brands can leave us that as well. That's that's great to know. Back to social, what type of content is winning? Is video winning? Are short videos, you know, the need of the hour? What's changing in the content type? The content that's winning is the content that the algorithms favor. And right <laughs> now, the content that the algorithms favor is short form video. I mean, TikTok is entirely short form video. Go into your uh, Instagram and I just see more and more reels. Some of them are pretty obnoxious, but nevertheless, they're there. Uh, even Pinterest is pushing what they call idea pins. They want more and more people to create that as well. YouTube is still huge. People, I'd say younger generations go to YouTube even more than older generations when they search for information, search for how-tos. So it's, you know, LinkedIn is the same. I mean, they have this creator mode and you get access to live streams. So they want more and more people to do live. Spotify, I think yesterday just announced they were going to start doing live streams 
And I know the Eurovision uh, Music Awards are going to be live streamed on TikTok. So if anything, I mean, if you think about all the time we used to spend watching television, right? Hours and hours, it's all now being consumed in different video formats all across social media. So that by far is the number one area that companies really need to get better at if they want to remain relevant. For people, it might be a little bit different. Obviously, the more raw, the more you know human we are, even on platforms like LinkedIn, like selfies or just thoughts of the day that come really from experience and from the heart, those things can really resonate and do very, very well on that platform. But on, on a majority of platforms, it really has come down to video. And if you want to get more impressions and more engagement, you sort of have to play the video game for now. Might change in the future, but for the foreseeable future, that's definitely the way to get visibility. Up next, we have Latasha James, founder and creative director of James and Park Creative. She enlightened us on the latest social media trends, the rise of TikTok, and how brands should approach social media to build strong communities. Are there any social media trends or marketing trends that really caught you off guard or tactics that you thought were never successful, but kind of suddenly they started working? I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of surprised about TikTok. I think it started and no one really took it seriously. They're like, oh, these kids are on these apps doing these dances. And then again, it was really 2020. I think a lot of, a lot of, I noticed a lot of celebrities got on TikTok and brands started getting on TikTok. And I, I didn't, I thought, you know, aside from these very Gen Z focused brands, like why is, you know, I don't know, Netflix or whatever, like, is you know, a, a bigger brand on TikTok. So I am kind of surprised by it, but I guess I'm not super surprised by it because as humans, again, our attention spans are just so short. We're looking for quick ways to get our entertainment and our education like never before. But I am kind of surprised that brand, so many brands have caught on to it. So TikTok is is a surprising trend that kind of caught you slightly off guard. Yeah, it's interesting, right? It's not the first video platform, but it's the first short video platform. Snapchat was a short video platform as well, like more of disappearing images than videos, but it didn't catch up as much as TikTok did. So I wonder how that happened. But yeah, interesting case study. What are some of the interesting social media brands that you've seen or some of the brands on social media that you think are doing great on social? Yeah, that's a good question. Trying to think of one off the top of my head. I mean, I think when we're talking about TikTok in particular, we all know of like, you know, the brands like the Duolingos of the world that are really, again, immersing themselves in TikTok culture. I think one of the things that brands do wrong is they just try to treat it like an advertisement or like a billboard. And you have to be able to really speak the language of TikTok and like be funny, be entertaining, be a creator on TikTok. They don't just want to see your app like screen shared on, on that app. Same thing for like Taco Bell. They do a really good job of with brand tone and voice and like really understanding the culture of those platforms and really playing up to that. So yeah, I think they do a good job of creating like a creator and not like a brand. So think like an audience and not like a brand. Uh, is that the key to TikTok? I think so. I think so. And again, it's it's about engagement and it's about that awareness. You have to go into it thinking, you know, with that mindset, this is not a place to just spam your link everywhere. And, you know, it's really about building that brand awareness on that platform. So keeping that in mind and just creating for the sake of creating and getting eyes on your content. Right. 
Now, it sounds absolutely to the point and, you know, so simple to understand, right? That deliver value, create content that entertains maybe on TikTok or educates on YouTube, for example. But as a brand, it's so difficult, right? For example, as a brand, I'm thinking about ROI. I'm thinking about, okay, if, if 10 hours are spent on creating this video, what am I getting in return, right? How do, is it possible to change the mindset of the brands to think long game rather than just quick wins? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. It's, I think it's always been a struggle in marketing, whatever the new thing is. People said that. I'm sure about Facebook when Facebook was still a thing or, you know, was first becoming a thing. So, yeah, I think as service providers, it's important that we just educate our clients. Like, I think you can still have wins. You can still have ROI with some of these platforms. You can still speak to the KPIs and be able to pull data and you should be able to pull data about it and tie it back to the overall business story. But you do at a certain point have to educate about, hey, this is this is the importance of a long game. Showing case studies maybe of other brands that have employed a similar strategy on whether that's a blog or YouTube or something like that from years past that has used that to really fuel their success is important. I mean, I use myself as a case study. Like I said, some of my top performing videos were created five years ago. And 90% or more of my leads come from YouTube, directly from YouTube. So if I, you know, I wasn't making money on YouTube on day one, definitely not. But I'm able to kind of be living proof that putting in a little bit of time a few years ago can really pay off long term. Last, but certainly not least, Christoph Trapp, an accomplished author, storyteller and content strategist, revealed his invaluable insights into crafting a winning content strategy and the tools he employs to achieve it. But at the same time, having an opinion on various aspects, be it related to my brand and my audience and the industry, that's a lot of work, right? That's putting in efforts in analyzing, for example, let's talk about me, right? Uh, Social Pilot is a social media publishing software. What's happened to Twitter, right? Do I have an opinion? Maybe some cloudy opinion, right? Do I know a lot of facts to kind of form an opinion? Very difficult, right? So mm -hmm. my point is, it's very difficult to kind of navigate a lot of things, right? In that scenario, how does a company optimize on content creation? Because content, as we see, is, is a vast ocean. It's it's never ending, right? You can do like literally 10,000 pieces a year if you have the resources. How do you prioritize and optimize that? I mean, first of all, you want to put a process into place. I mean, I'm a big fan, even with the business storytelling show, right? That's like the centerpiece for everything, you know, and ideas come from that. Content comes from that. I don't write an article about every every single episode, but I write articles. I just did one, the one on podcast teasers, which is a 600-word article, and it literally came out of 30 seconds out of an episode with Zach Mitchum, who is a YouTube strategist. So I took a piece of it, right? And I think that the trick is to figure out that process, how you want to do it. I do live stream to podcasts, to articles, to social, to other things to who knows where, maybe at some point there'll be another book, you know, something like that. Um, and the other thing is, it's okay that you don't ch chase every idea that's out there, right? So you can't chase every single idea that somebody has. I also would recommend leaders to understand that there, there should be a method to the madness. I'll give you an example. And I don't remember the guy's name now, top of my head, but the president of American Airlines, he says he never... When he sees an employee, so let's say he's traveling somewhere, he's at the airport, and an American Airlines employee does something. He says, I will never go over there and say, hey, that's not how you should do that. That's not by the book or whatever. 
And people really gave him a hard time for that. And they were like, why wouldn't you? You're the president, whatever, you know, or CEO, whatever his title is. And he said, here's what you got to remember. I don't know the whole situation, right? I don't know what's going on. I don't know why they did that. They might have a very good reason. And I'm the CEO of the company now, and they, they'll know that, right, when I go over there. So why do I have to challenge them on it, especially if it didn't, there was no danger, you know, it was just a minor thing, potentially, but I don't know the details. And the same goes in corporate content strategy, right? You have CEOs, you have executives, you have people that are high up on the ladder, they run around and they tell the content team, hey, 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 we should do whatever, X, Y, Z. But they have no clue whether that's even a good idea. They have no clue how that fits with all the other priorities. They have no clue. All they know is that they just ran into a guy in the hall, in the elevator or whatever, right? On the plane, sat next to a guy on the plane. And they said, this might be a good idea. And now all of a sudden, everything else has to be dropped. That doesn't mean that executives shouldn't have ideas. They should. All ideas are welcome. But don't present them like marching orders, right? Present them like... What do you think of this? How does that fit in? Where does it fit in? May, do we already have something on this, right? So it's just something to keep in mind. I thought that it was, it's very interesting. I think that's easier said than done because even look at the American Airlines CEO. I mean, he took a lot of flack for saying that. And I actually think it's the right thing to do, but some people didn't. So, you know, it's more difficult than it used to be, I think. We wholeheartedly thank our wonderful guests for sharing their valuable insights and making our journey enjoyable and informative. As season one comes to a close, we thank you, our listeners, for your continuous support. But don't worry, season two is right around the corner. We're excited to bring you more expert knowledge on using social media to boost your business. On behalf of the Social Pilot team, thank you for tuning in.